Hey, this is Sean from the Wasted Knowledge Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to our season closer. In this uh, final episode for this first season, we are interviewing Kevin, TC's former beverage director, my current beverage director. He's worked with us for almost four years, and we're going to go round robin, changing things up a little bit. Uh, Kevin and I are going to interview TC. TC and I are going to interview Kevin. And finally, uh, TC and Kevin are going to interview me. And we're just uh, going to talk about the restaurant industry, McRibs, beverage director roles, bread alignments, all the meat. Uh, there's a lot, actually a lot coming up in, the, uh, <laughs> in these, this first of two parts for the final episode. Uh, after this, please come find us at DragonCon 2019. We're going to be doing a live show of Wasted Knowledge and interviewing basically a rocket scientist. So uh, we'd love to see you out there. And of course, we'll be running around the whole time doing what we do best, talking to people. So uh, please enjoy this first part. Drink responsibly and cheers. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Welcome to the final episode of the season. Season one, Wasted Knowledge. Uh, we have our good friend Kevin here with us. Hello. There you go. How are you? <laughs> you are allowed to talk. It's me, yes. So Kevin is uh, is my uh, beverage director at Canoe, so that would make him my boss. But we've also known each other for almost about four years now. He's worked with both TC and I, and uh, we thought we'd do something fun for this episode and kind of go round robin, uh, doing our normal format where TC and I interview someone, but also having Kevin sub in and interview. Uh, both of us with the other other person. You get to learn a little bit about your host tonight. Right. And as soon as we dig into Kevin a little bit. Yes. <coughs> More than I already do. Right. Um, are we are actually are we doing a live recording again. So if you hear any background noise, uh, we're we're on site. I don't even know if we're allowed to talk about the bar. It's the last time we were at TC's bar, but uh, okay. we're at an undisclosed Irish pub in Marietta, Georgia. Somewhere. Somewhere. Tucked away. Off the square. Off the square. <laughs> Off the square, definitely Possibly not in the a square. firehouse. <laughs> Is that a thing? It's a wonderful place. Okay. I don't know. And if you hear any music in the background, don't, you don't. Uh, and it's not whatever it is you think it is. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So uh, so so Kevin. Um, oh, my, I, do we, oh, we'll talk about what we're drinking later. We'll actually get into some some craftier stuff. Uh, I'm scared. What do you do, Kevin? I don't know, I don't know what you to ask. You can't your boss? I, yeah. yeah, I got nervous all of a sudden. I don't know why. We've been talking about this for weeks. Kevin, what do you do? So I am currently the beverage director at Canoe Restaurant in Atlanta. Um, I've had my current position since You're the beginning of this year. However, I started at Canoe in 2005. I was behind the bar for 10 years as a bartender. Then I took over the beverage director and worked there three years. Had a short hiatus in Savannah. Took a job as a GM uh, at a restaurant in Savannah, and it wasn't going to be the best move for myself or my family. So I, luckily, we never moved down there. Uh, I went down there to work. My family stayed here. I came back and was fortunate enough to have Canoe hire me back. And I was the went back to bartending for about a couple weeks. And then one of the managers had left, and he was a training manager. So I took over the training program, and then the beverage director at the time left this past January, and I took over as beverage. We, 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 we took your position. 
What? <laughs> retook your position. I retook my position, yes. You reclaimed the throne. Reclaimed, yes. Right. Well, it was, I mean, it was easy transition, you know, for myself and for Canoe as well, uh, rather than, I think, than hiring someone from outside. From outside. It, it is a very cultured restaurant, and to know the culture and be a part of the culture for as long as you have does make it a much easier transition to trying to bring somebody completely new in. Yeah. And it was easier to say yes, uh, because when I first was working, um, <clears throat> Matt Bradford was the bear director, or the wine director, and he left open the wine shop, and Vince asked me to take over the program. Right. And I said, no. <laughs> because my kids were very young at the time, and, you know, bartending allowed me to spend a lot more time with them. And so they hired someone, and that person left, and Vince asked me to take over the program, and I said, no. And so they hired someone else. And when that person left, Vince came to me and said, take a week, think about it. He was like, when you come back, you're going to tell me yes. And so at that point, and I think I was ready. Yeah. Third time is a job. I remember all of that. So I was that, there during that that transition that period and I really the only thing I'm curious about Kevin is why wasn't I ever asked <laughs> I, yeah, don't I, I, I don't answer that question don't answer that question Vince took a week and he thought about it <laughs> and he came back and about it yeah less than a week <laughs> yeah. so it was uh, for you was being a, a beverage director I mean, obviously you said no twice. Was that ever really in your sights so that you thought you might be one eventually? Or that's uh, a level you aspired to? No, I mean, I've always loved, so I've worked in restaurants pretty much my whole career. I started my first restaurant job in 1989. Um, and I worked everywhere from, you know, McDonald's to fine dining in New York. Um, I knew that I couldn't bartend. Ever, you could. <laughs> that was a weird she, she, pause. She, yes. I knew that I couldn't bartend. Yes, forever. Great. Uh, I wanted, I wanted something more for myself and for my family. So it seemed like it was a logical step to take. Um, I'd been a bar manager before in Savannah. Um, canoe was a little daunting to have that wine list. That's, Selections. Canoe really deserves someone who's going to be invested in the program. So I was hesitant. I was worried that I could do that. Right. Um, and Vince actually helped me. I said, because I, I don't have aspirations to really study law. Right. You know, I, I do study law, but I, I don't have aspirations to be a master scientist. Right. Or go from my diploma. Uh, so Vincent asked me, he said, well, why don't you look at it as a business? You know, so I like to think, one is what I do is not who I am. Right. Whereas a lot of, and there's a lot of wine professionals, you know, especially around Atlanta, who, like, wine is who they are. Right. And that's great, and I admire those people. 100%. You know, but it's, it's like, for me, it's not who I am, but I enjoyed doing the beverages. No, that's, that's a good point. Uh, and I think it's kind of cool that you say it that way, because 
I mean, Canoe definitely is a wine-centric beverage program. Um, but it's not necessarily being run by a master song. Right. And it's still being run very well. Um, so it just kind of goes to show you don't have to be... A lot of people feel like in this industry, like you have to be a master song or you have to have all these accreditations or you have to have this or have to have that in order to kind of advance yourself into any sort of elevated position in the industry and really experience and work ethic. And a lot of times, as hard as it is to find common sense or some of the best tools you can use when managing a restaurant beverage program, training program, even kitchens or whatever. That's, I mean, I know some really, really, really good kitchen managers that aren't that great as chefs, and I know some amazing chefs that are really bad, <laughs> really bad kitchen managers. So, like... Yeah, it's a different note. There's, kind of and that kind of goes yeah. to, there's a creative side, and there's, like, you need that creative... A lot of times that creative person just isn't the best at being organized or business-like right. or logic, right. like using logic and Just rationale. check our Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we suck at it. Yeah, we are not organized. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, so moving to Atlanta from Savannah, uh, the last place I left, I was a bar manager. And bartended on River Street for four or five years. Yep. Oh, wow. And I was, you know, I was a bartender. I pulled draft beer and made shots. And I put out drinks, you know, faster than most. And I was crass and I was rude at the time. Um, but when, does. when I'm, again, moving here, I wanted something okay and but everywhere I went to to find a job in Atlanta it was like you know how's your wine knowledge yeah. I was like well there's red and white wine right <laughs> and basically and I'm go and you know we have a, a short quiz when people come apply but all the nicer places that I went around town um, they all have it you know and I'm trying to fill out these questions about wine and I have no idea. So I took a job at Twist and Phipps. Yep. And they had wine class there every Thursday. So I started learning about wine and then I kind of fell into the canoe because the chef at the time was opening a new restaurant and I knew two of the bartenders, Matt and Carol, and they were like, you have to hire this guy, Kevin. He's a really good bartender. And up to that point, they really didn't hire outside. And it was promoted from within. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there was an opening, and came and applied, and I basically got hired because of it. Still didn't know much about it. Well, <laughs> I think those tests when you apply are one of my favorite things in the entire world. Because if you have, if they're used, utilized the right way. Right. And I love it because those tests are hard mm-hmm. a lot of times. And they ask some crazy questions. And if you don't know, like, traditional French cuisine and your regions or your varietals from Burgundy or 
the exact placement of everything for from fork to knife to spoon on a proper place setting and it's written in front of you a lot of people get really intimidated and like freak out and or cheat right and the thing is that like half that test can be blank and you can still get hired if you don't BS it if you try and write everything you can and if you realize really that's kind of meant to be like okay you may not know all this now but this is what is expected of you as an employee up here yes and it's like a good way to kind of make people realize this is what we expect people to know you may you can teach people anything but still personality and work ethic and stuff that I always look for when I hire people but I love those tests because it kind of weeds out people who aren't going to really want to work for yeah. that. Well, I always appreciate when people do, you know, I talk to them afterwards and they'll say, you know, I, I, I didn't know some of the questions, so I, I just left it blank. Thank you. Because if you guessed and you guessed right, I didn't know that you didn't know that. Ah. <laughs> I didn't oh, yeah. think you knew that. Yeah, when I do a test, like, honestly, man, I don't know what side of soup is supposed to come from, or to be delivered from. Uh, like that's fine. Uh, the right. I was like, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my favorite though was the people. I, while I do appreciate leaving a blank and it makes more sense to then ask the questions afterwards and things like that. I really do love the people who try and answer everything. Yes. And some of the answers that they come yes. up with are just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites that we've had <clears throat> was you know just name like name three classic cocktails you serve. And they just put shrimp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> shrimp cocktail. Hey, they probably don't have a drinking uh, So, so Kevin, uh, you're, 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 we kind of got to your current okay. tenure at Canoe, and you, you mentioned sort of the, the pre-bartending phase of your restaurant experience. So it was at McDonald's. Yes, in college, uh, I was going to school in Blacksburg. Worked at McDonald's. It was one of the few jobs that I could find. This was early '90s. I got a four ten an hour. If I worked six months, I would get a ten cent raise. GameStop was just yeah. like that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so the first, my first two weeks, I toasted buns. All right. That's all I did. Yeah, that's the, that's gonna be the the quote for the trailer for, for this episode. By the way, so for my six hour shifts, I toasted buns, and everything at McDonald's is timed. You know, so it's all so there's no error. So like you can okay. So like I would open the packs of buns, I would float all the bottoms on one tray, float all the tops on another tray, and just load them in the toaster, and they would roll through mm. and they'd, be and they'd fall down toasted and put them back together and move into the cupcake. So, interesting. And uh, this is more just uh, maybe because I'm not neurotic. Do do the same tops go with the same buns or they get a little mixed up? They probably get a little mixed up. Okay. Yeah. Why did you compare which <laughs> top goes with which bun? Because <laughs> I, I do that at home. Like, I hate it when like I'm making burgers and I can like, cut up like four buns and I can't remember which top goes with which bottom and because my cuts aren't exact, so you can kind of tell which, like, one doesn't go I mean, I understand it, but once you put actual filling in between, 
You're not gonna be able to As long as you're not like the worst bread slicer in the world, there's no way to. Not terrible, but about the same time, like, I, I took two McDonald's as his credit. I've never noticed that one didn't go with the other, but from the way the process sounds, it would seem they're pretty so uniform. So, hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, you're going on a picnic with a bunch of people. Sure. And you gotta make like 10 sandwiches. Uh huh. On, your, on the bread loaf, you're yeah. gonna go. I go, I go in order. 10, 10 pieces of bread down, but are you gonna go like top, bottom, top, bottom, top, bottom, top, bottom, yes. top, bottom? I, I take about Paris. Yes. That's what you do. You take them out in pairs. Yeah. yeah. They, once they start to make, they're mates for life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they are the penguins <laughs> of the sandwich world. <laughs> See, I'm going to throw down 10 pieces of bread mm-hmm. and I'm going to start layering yeah, things on it. I'm going to have 10 sandwiches. <laughs> Perfect. You have to have the mirror image. Yeah. Well, as long as you're not getting like an end piece. Yeah, because no, like you ever like make like a leftover chicken sandwich, sure, yeah. and then like I'll, I'll like I I I'll make it a puzzle, and I'll get the pieces of meat that fit with the curve of the bread, <laughs> so that it all lines up. And if I have a different top and bottom, I, not, I guess I understand. It's not, yeah. But this really just reinforces my a completely different argument that tortillas a far better bread substitutes wrap. Yes, meat coverage. Than, than, than bread. Than bread. Yes. All right. So speaking of wrapping your meat, uh, you're yeah, working for Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> or, yes. or McDonald's, sorry. No, we were still McDonald's. Yeah. Well, uh, McDonald's was good because it taught, you know, you had to have a job, you had to have a job, you know, and you had to make money. Sure. So then from the bread, I got moved to the grill. Was that, was that like, so at the time, was that kind of like an army? It was, it, you know, it was a step up. Yeah. So like Kevin, you're on grill. So the grill is the flat top. Right. And it'd be the same thing. You take the patties out, mm-hmm. line them up across the grill, pull the lid down. Oh. So it had, yeah. yeah See, I, I, I was, I'm thinking like a short order cook. Yeah. And then stand this is, there. This is McDonald's. This isn't a and steak like, and shake. Yeah. And so then timer goes off. And it opens. They go patties off. You put them put in the yellow tray. tray. You put them in the yellow tray. Put them in the front. <laughs> So then from there, you get moved to the front. So you're assembling. putting assembly all the others. And once I made it to the prep table, they're like, yeah, you're not going anywhere else because this was right off campus, right off the edge. So they would run, like every once in a while, two Big Macs for two bucks. Mm-hmm. And everyone, you know, in college, two dollars to be max. Yes, there was all over it. You're gonna eat all day. So I, you know, get the call back to like holding on 36 big Macs, and I'm like, what? <laughs> the football yeah. team just walked in, and uh, the special sauce. The sauces came in. Oh, like, like coffee guns. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with do the onions come in the caulking guns too? No, the onions come in packages. Open them up. You guys. Now the worst. Really the worst thing was the McRib. Yeah. And then run the McRib like every three months or so. Mm-hmm. And again, everything's on time. So when you start your shift, you cook off like two or three McRibs, and we go into the yellow, you know, t- uh, like sand with the barbecue sauce. And in a heated tray mm-hmm. with the timer. 
So hit the timer, and every five minutes, the timer will go off. And you're supposed to go and stir exactly. the barbecue sauce Where and your ribs around. Well, you, I mean, you're working a busy shift, and the timer goes off, and everyone's running by just like a snooze button. Yeah. So hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. And so then, like, four hours later, it's like, and you go back, and you get the tongs, and it would have the like one inch layer of pudding gravy on top. You guys okay back here? Yes, ma'am. Yes, thank ma'am. You. Thank you. And you have to reach in with the tongs. Do we want another round? Yeah. Do you want another round? I, I we'll want go get whiskey. One. Yeah, I'm like, I want whiskey, but I, I don't know if that's. Do you want to switch? Okay. You want to switch over to a whiskey? Uh, actually, maybe we should do gin and tonics and keep everything on uh, on pain for, for later. Okay. I'm still gonna. If I, if I go from beer to something, it's gotta stay consistent. Otherwise, uh, the next two doubles. Uh, otherwise, your two slices of bread don't mix. Match. My my intestines are just as OCD as my brain. <laughs> Understood, sir. Um, all right, let's finish the McRib. You had a uh, one okay. inch of, one inch of foam. One inch of like pudding, pudding gravy. You know. Yeah, the pudding top. The, so you, the leather you could peel off. Yes. And so that was the only real meat in the McRib was that top bit of leather. McRib is, you know, it, it looks like it has bones in it. But it's just like shaped it's like it had bones. Yeah. 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 So my my uh, stepdad growing up worked at Arby's for the longest time. And their roast beef is pretty much just like meat gelatin like it's just like pink slime oh yeah it's a giant it's a, it's not the pink slime but it's very similar to the pink slime and then they ro- roast it in the oven kind of in the shape of what you would expect roast beef to be shaped as and then they do shave it and cook it but when it comes it's so processed that it's like mm. it's like a so when, when they say we have the meat uh, it's all the meat <laughs> It's all the meat. It's not actually. Did you see? I don't know why we're on. We have all meat. I don't want to get too far off on the fast food topic, but I'm so sad I missed it because I'm going to. Arby's had an all the meat sandwich not too long ago. And it was like roast beef, fried chicken, pastrami, turkey. Uh, Uh, They have euros. They have like lamb on there. Yeah, yeah, they had like literally every Arby's meat on one sandwich. Wow. For like. It was like a twelve dollar sandwich, but I wanted to try it. I would, yeah, see, that's something that I would definitely like. Mm-hmm. So when, it, when did fun. you stop working at McDonald's? So I was still in college. So from McDonald's, I went. I got hired at a restaurant, Bodie's. Okay, but this was like when? This was early nineties. Yeah. Okay. This was, uh, so before internet. Oh yeah. Craziness and okay. yeah, because. So I was in Blacksburg from 90 to 94. So you basically never had to worry about making a McGangbang. A what? I'm sorry. Huh? A McGangbang? No. Mc... You've never had a McGangbang? No, I've never... <laughs> I... No, I've never had the, the clown <laughs> sausage. No, the, 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 the McGangbang was just a... Uh, double cheeseburger? No. Okay. And a McC- with a McChicken stuffed in the middle of it. Oh, how do you think? That's a- <laughs> <laughs> See, no, no. It was this, 
It was like <laughs> hey, the, my mind came yeah, up. a few yeah. other things that could be. Yeah. It was when the the like, secret menu craze was going around uh, and people were ordering like unicorn poop from Starbucks and I don't know what else there was. There was all this crazy things. So, so they just wanted to be if you knew what to order, you could order it. And there, yeah, yeah. And there was one of them was a McDonald's thing, and it was but it was basically just a McChicken inside of a double cheeseburger. And nobody I've ever known that actually worked at McDonald's ever knew what it was, but people were coming in and ordering the game. I don't know. I always found it hilarious. I never. I worked at Domino's. Domino's didn't teach me anything about the food service industry. No, no. It just teach. It did teach me that if you mess up something, you could eat for free in the restaurant industry. Because <laughs> that's all we did was just mess up. Oops. This was supposed to be no onions on this pizza. Can you fire me another pizza with no onions? And then that pizza sits there till the end of the shift and you take it home with you. Uh, so, uh, if we're going to split the podcast to one evening, we're at about 25 minutes. Uh, you want to you like, try to breeze through the rest of our general questions that we normally go through? Yeah, that's cool. Um, keep us on, keep us remember, on topic. Do you remember sure. what they are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... If you weren't really, if you weren't a beverage director and weren't a bartender for as long as you were, what would you be doing, do you think, like career-wise, if you didn't go food service industry? I don't know, you know, I went back and took classes at Savannah Poly, now Kennesaw State, uh, a couple years back, for, I don't think go for IT. I like computers, you know, I thought I, I could do that, I can maybe kind of figure that out. Um, and I went and took some classes for a few semesters, and it was all right. Um, but I, I can't really see myself doing anything else. You know? Well, it's more like it's, Desire. I guess, or a fantasy dream. thing. I, mean, cause it, like, it, I, I get it, like, when you've been doing it for so long, like, it, but, like... When you were a so kid, IT, I know that's no. a long time ago, Kevin. Yeah. But when you were a kid... What did I want to be when I grew up? Were you, like... I'm going to be a bartender. No, probably not. <laughs> I had a, well, what's, what's the kid just playing? So I think I was like 19 or 20, and I was like, I'm going to be a bartender. And she was, theater major, I'm realistic. <laughs> I'm yes. realistic. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I mean, so it's, when I first went to college, I went for engineering. And I thought, you know, and then I started taking classes, and I'm like, nope. Touche, not. sir. Mm. Yeah. So then... Six semesters of mechanical engineering right here. I went, uh... So I auditioned for one of the plays. They were doing Midsummer Nights. And I got a callback. And I was the first... Apparently first non-theater major to ever get a callback for one of the plays. So then they talked me into joining theater. So I, I switched my major from engineering theater. And then after a semester, I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, and then for a year, I studied psychology, which I liked. But I, again, I couldn't see myself doing that. I didn't want to dissect people. I thought it, I found it all like, really, really interesting. Uh, all the different schools of thought and at that point, I had been working in restaurants, 
had, and I was like, oh, there's hospitality and management. You know, I started taking classes and I started really liking it. I was like, this is what I do. And I just think that's like I'm doing what I should be doing. Cool. Thanks. Now, normally we ask, what is your, your most profound drunk thought you've ever had? Um, being that, now you can answer that, and or you can answer since you've worked as a, a bartender, bar manager for so long, your favorite drunk thought you've ever heard someone express, I think would also be interesting. See, most of my profound drunk thoughts I don't remember. <laughs> We've been encountering the problem, which is my often the second option of anyone going. Matt Bryant is a valid third round pick. That is not true. That is a false statement. I think that's a sports reference. I love. Sometimes I think very proudly, like when I watch like science shows and. Up and listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I've dreamed about, and I was very excited that I met him in the dream. He was at a party that I was at a party. Oh, I like where this dream is yes. going. No, that, that's that. But I just went up to him. Brown, and so, like, oh my God. Brown <laughs> But um, how, if you really try to comprehend, like the, the universe is infinite and it's constantly expanding, mm-hmm. and is big and as far as wide as you can go if you turn it the other way you can you know go infinitesimally smaller right and so like the smallest cargo that we've ever found or something I, I haven't found any but <laughs> you know what's beyond that like there's something beyond that there's something smaller than that mm-hmm. that has to be made like there's no definitive like, this is the smallest thing ever. Right. Because 10 years from now, someone else is going to find someone else. Right. That's where Ant-Man was at. Yes, in the quantum realm. And also, you just, if you need to say, you can just add quantum to anything. Quantum. <laughs> quantum, quantum. Quantum, quantum. Quantum. We are now a smart podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, I think, yeah. When I, <laughs> that's as profound as I get. I like that. We're gonna that's a good rocket science. That's a really, eventually. actually... I'm very excited about that. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Oh. But, but yeah, that, that was good. Was that technically a drunk thought? Why have we been drinking? So I guess I might way. have been, but something. under an influence. Heard something. something at that point. Okay. We're all connected in this great universe. Yes, yes. Yeah. We're all just one. Okay. Uh, yes. All right, sweet. We're right at thirty minutes. Um, which is which is great because part of this podcast we're doing round robin, so we'll be switching it off. Yeah, yeah, yes. our board games. Hell yeah. Get yourself some board games. Is there a board game called... Oh, it's acronymity. I just said anonymity. That's unusual. Who am I? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Who are you? <laughs> you guys okay? Yeah, I think, I think we're about to come grab another round. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great. Uh, I was going to do a gin and tonic, that's all right. Who said that? Oh. This guy? This guy, but you still want to watch. Right. Yeah, well, I right. guess. Yeah. He's, he's got a one-track yeah. You want to change it? No, I have Guinness, please. And he's the one with one? Yes. Okay. Sounds good. 
It's okay um, to be different. I do have um, Lord in the film. No. Uh, I was about to ask if we had Lord. Yeah, so we can still make everyone. Did you see the Lord? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I just moved here from Chicago a couple months ago. Oh, did you really? Not only do I have a bottle of Jepsons at home, I make them work for our I restaurant. I mean, I think you're kind of disgusting now. It's so gross. That's, I mean, if the ponytail didn't it's do terrible. it. It's horrible. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Well, that's why we do these. What is, is this? this one of the, these, is this why we do these live episodes? Yeah, yeah these episodes just, out and about. Wasted knowledge on the streets. Street smarts. We still haven't gotten a theme song. Oh, actually, so I, I put in some interstitial, like, start music um, in the last, what's it, what, what do you call Cheers. it, publication? You. Thank you. Thank um, you. She is. Right? Oh, I have a, she, one of us has a plastic, is it me? Is it what? It's on glass. Oh, it just sounded like a, it's the foam. Uh, yeah. Someone gives that cushiony, right, clink. Science. That cushiony clink. <laughs> wow, that peaked. Did you ever go into That's a cushiony clink? Padded room? Never been in the Giving yourself some hugs? Nope. I have not. Uh, me neither. I just, I'm close. Just, I don't know. Some mind went to a dark place for seconds. I'm back. Here was the Malort. Dang it. I had a thought before that and I lost it. But uh, the reason I. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so the reason I switched to gin and tonic is because uh, Kevin supplied us with uh, some gins for this podcast. And so the first one we're going to try is. Uh, 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 oh, wow. Moons of Jupiter. It's a 96 proof grape based gin. And, uh, Wasn't that a song? Drops of There's Jupiter. Drops by of train Jupiter is what you're thinking. In her hair. Um, I don't know if it's a glass or not. It kind of smells like uh, kind of like day old rice. Yeah. yeah. It does have kind of that rice here. But I guess. Ooh, that is hot. I find most grape based. I am. I don't really like most grape based spirits. I so I had a grape based whiskey one time that was actually quite good. It needed, it needed like another two years of aging. Well, I feel like. like um, so this tastes like pine salt. Yes. Um, I am not a huge gin fan as it is. <laughs> Do you think we can pour it in the ashtray that's near us? I think we should. Uh, is there a plant? House plant. Wow. Uh, there's actually a that fake house plant over there. That's really. Really. That is, oh. Alright. Pour it in there? Yeah, pour that in there. Sure. We are not going to get an uh, endorsement from this yeah. group. Um, oh, wait. Oh, yeah, we have more drinks. House plant? We can get another glass. I know nothing. <laughs> All right, well, we'll wait till we get to our next day, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm going to need a second after that one. That, that was, was rough. very hot. Wow, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's 96. So great, yeah, great face spirit. That reminds me of Crocker. You know, which actually makes me like it a tiny bit more? Like I said, I think it has some good, like, notes to it. Yeah. Um, it's got a nice, the nose is nice. Uh, citrus back end. Yeah. I mean... I see. I don't like gin as a lone spirit. No, uh, I don't like it. Even even like gin and tonics, I'm not a huge fan of. Oh, um, but I think it's by far. Uh, I think it's the most versatile and probably the best cocktail spirit. Um, I really like rum as well, um, but I think gin just the notes that like. The, 
he can be put in any cocktail and do a riff on anything with gin. Or a lot of the classic cocktails already have gin. Yeah. And you get some really great like floral notes, sometimes fruity notes. You get a lot of herbaceousness from gin. Like everything comes through in gin, so it can always like just be add a lot of really cool parts to a cocktail. Yeah. But straight up, I'm not a big fan of gin. How do you feel about barrel aged gin? I think barrel aged gin ruins a lot of the gin. Yeah, what well, I mean, what um, sometimes when you do too much with liquor, exactly. Like what? What? Once you, you start barrel aging gin, you're just making whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> so. I feel like we're, we're entering the TC interview portion of the podcast, so... Oh, yeah. well, I mean, Excellent. we can. Well, I mean, since Kevin started asking you questions. Yeah. yeah. So would you liken that to a veggie meat item? Barrel-aged uh, gin, veggie meat <laughs> item. It's like a meatless like patty. Why I, could, I, could, I could see that. I could see that crossover. I think the veggie meat item is different, though, because there's a market for that, because there's a lot of people who are going from eating meat on a regular basis and they're looking for an actual substitute nobody's looking for a substitute of whiskey or <laughs> you know like they either want whiskey or they don't right. so and i'm curious because there's like the 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 precursor of the gin which i always mispronounce but the dutch version looks like Genevieve, Genevieve or Genevieve. Mm-hmm. i always say Genevieve, and some people say that much, but like had an aged version old Genevieve, which was just Genevieve back in the old times but you know uh, and that's lovely as a spirit. It's not really a whiskey. Well, it's barrel aged. Yeah. 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 yeah it's slightly off. And I mean, it's basically like a reposado. Right. Yeah. And any, anything aged doesn't make it a whiskey. I was just with a lot of the barrel aged gins. Like, it's just gin. Gin is essentially like an infused neutral spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So when you start. Adding barrel flavor to it, it doesn't have a lot to stand on besides its infusions, and then they start getting stepped on by the barrel agent, is the way I really look at it. Because when you barrel age tequila or agave spirits, agave spirits have a very distinct flavor, and they're and they're not infused with anything else. The agave spirits just taste like this, and then as they age, they continue to have their agave flavor, and that's where whiskey like. Your corn whiskeys taste like this as they go up. Your malt whiskeys taste like this as they go up, you know. But. So in that vein, I, I would like your thought. Uh, I, I was at the liquor store today picking up some supplies for the podcast. And uh, so the, the difference between like a pure spirit, something that's just agave-based, or something that's, you know, uh, bourbon that has a specific formula, has to be 51% corn. I'm always nervous that I got that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw a vodka from Poland that was uh, rye. And it just kind of hurt me a little bit. Like, well, I mean, I love. Are you bringing it? Yeah, like, I like, and potato vodkas are some of my favorite. Uh-huh. And I'm like, just looking at it, like, you mean you just have. You just have unaged whiskey? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can... Like, that's all it is. Yeah. You can distill something enough times it becomes vodka. Right. And then... But I'd like to hear you. And then don't age it. I I despise vodka. I think vodka is boring. It's just... And... 
Yeah, it doesn't carry any flavor. It's it's basically an over distilled product is all it really is. It's like you distill it until it doesn't carry like, it doesn't carry any of the impurities anymore. But those impurities are what give it flavor character. character you know. So when people so you're are like not a fan of the the right that comes in and tells you their pocket was distilled a hundred yeah. times. Yes. Yes. And I'm like thanks, thanks. It's been like to what percent and I, it's funny though because um, learning about distillation and everything it's a very um, parabolic curve mm-hmm. so like the first time you distill it it cuts this much and the second time you distill it it cuts this much but then after a while like it's the next after you've distilled it you know, like 70 how many parts times, per million like, yeah yeah, yeah like, it really becomes yeah, no ridiculous um, and so don't quote me on that I don't know the actual times I don't do distilling but I know it's a parabolic curve that where after X amount you're really it's not doing much besides putting something on your label but really that's all a lot of liquor is these days Marketing. it's being able to put something on your label Tito's is the, the biggest winner of that in recent history they're gluten-free vodka. Right. Oh, well, and, and it was organic for a while. Gluten-free organic vodka. And then, First off, then they got sued. Cheetos uh, pretty much buys all their neutral spirits and stills them, runs them through their stills one time to say that they they make them themselves. Pretty much. Um, and then the gluten-free thing is just kills me because technically, like... Say it. All spirits are gluten-free. Thank you. And that wraps it up for part one of our season closer with Kevin, the beverage director. Stay tuned. In about a week, we'll be releasing part two of the final episode of season one. So thank you very much for listening. TC, of course, is my co-host and and co-creator. Kevin was our guest this episode and... Our music was provided by Digital Juice Stack Tracks. This is Ambivalence. Please, 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 if you like the podcast, as hopefully if you've gotten this far that you do, give us a like on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a positive review or a negative one if you really have something to say. If you're in the Atlanta area, either visiting or permanently, give us a give us a shout at wastedknowledgepodcast at gmail.com or wastedkpodcast on Twitter. Let us know if you'd like to be on. Uh, just let us know what you do and you're an expert in. Uh, until next time, please stay tuned. And always, 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 get a safe ride home. Cheers. <laughs>